Thanks for joining us today here at Emmanuel. We are one church in multiple locations. We believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that we hope is both inspiring and relevant to your life. If this service blesses you and you want to give back financially, you can do so at eclife.org. Click on Give and choose Online Viewer as your campus. Thank you again for joining us. Get ready for an incredible life-changing message. Well, hello, church. How are you today? Man, it is always exciting to be with you here today. And if you're watching online, we want to welcome you here. We know there's people all across the country and literally all across the world watching right now. Can we give our online audience a little love? We love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. We're in a series right now called Get a Grip, and today is the last installment of that series, week number four. Next week, we're going to start a brand new series called The Brand. We're going to have some new t-shirts out. I know you guys love some Emmanuel wear, some e-wear. We're going to be, uh, you know, revealing some of those brand new t-shirts next week, so that's exciting. But today, we're wrapping up this new series, uh, this current series called Get a Grip. Before we do that, I want to mention something that I think is going to make you uh, pretty excited, pretty proud of your church. You know, over the last couple of years, you may not know this if you're pretty new to our church or if you just started watching online, uh, God's been doing a pretty awesome work here at Emmanuel. Back in 2013, our attendance was growing and we decided to launch a, our first multi-site campus. We launched the campus at the corner of Bant and Harding. Uh, Bant and Harding, that was our first multi-site campus. Right now there are services going on there, uh, reaching about six or 700 people, and so that's exciting. Uh, back in 2015, we launched our Franklin campus in the Franklin Middle School. They're currently meeting right now as, we, as we're talking. Uh, there's about 400 people over there meeting, and their service is going on. It's very, very exciting. Um, and so over the last couple of years, we've literally seen thousands of people put their faith in Christ and trust in Christ and become disciples of Christ, join small groups, get get baptized, uh, start serving, and God is doing a miraculous work. It really has been a lot of fun to watch. And so um, if you don't know about this, that's okay. I don't expect people to read church magazines, but there's actually a magazine called Outreach Magazine. Pastors read it, church leaders read it, and every year they come out with an issue called the Outreach 100, and all it really is is the, it's a list of the fastest growing churches in all of America. And I want to let you know, guys, that this year in the Outreach 100, Emmanuel Church made the list. Isn't that pretty awesome? Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, we are actually number 68 on the list, and uh, I don't expect anybody to go out and buy this, but it's actually pretty, pretty fun and cool. So this week, uh, Jackie and I were able to go out to a dinner in Colorado Springs. We went out to Outreach Magazine's, kind of their, their offices out there, their home base, and we were presented with an award that we received on, on your behalf, on the church's behalf. Basically, it says, Outreach 100, uh, 2017, Fastest Growing Churches, To God Alone Be the Glory. And so it's really, really cool to be out there, and, and if you know a little bit about our story as a church, you know, there was a couple of moments years and years and years ago where I know I wanted to quit. Some of you wanted to quit. In fact, many people did quit, if you remember that, <laughs> a couple of years ago. And one of the big reasons that I didn't give up, okay, as a, as a young 28-year-old youth pastor and everything was just kind of going wrong, if you know a little bit of our history, one of the big reasons I didn't quit is this one thought that God kept giving me. It was like, if you quit, you'll never get to see what might happen. 
And on the back end of that, here we are, 2017, we made this incredible list. It was an incredible honor to be out there on behalf of all of you. And uh, we just want to give God all the glory and all the praise for what he's doing in our church. We would not be able, obviously, obviously God gets all the glory, but we would not be able to be where we are today if you were not relentlessly pursuing your friends, joining in, giving, serving, uh, jumping in small groups and doing all of those other things that we ask you to do, giving financially and sacrificially. And I'm just telling you, I think we're really getting started. I mean, I believe that God wants us to continue to launch campuses and reach more and more people. So if that's going to happen, we need everyone to continue to jump in, live in community, offer, offer your hands and, and your time and service, offer for your finances to help us fulfill the vision if we're going to make that kind of difference in the future. And so that's, uh, that's my hope and prayer. So will you pray with me before we get started? Heavenly Father, thank you so much. We want to give you all the glory. We know that only you can transform a human heart, that we can create environments and, and music and give talks and, and provide you know, opportunities for, for our children, but only you and your spirit can get into a human heart and, and produce repentance and transformation. And so we give you all the glory for the people who've come to Christ and who are growing in Christ. And we ask for, for your help and your strength as we move forward into the future and content to try to continue to advance your kingdom. It's in Christ's name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Okay, so here we are, week number four, get a grip. And what I want to talk to you today is, is, uh, is about something that all of us deal with, every single one, every single one of us. No one is exempt from dealing with this issue, and it's the issue of money. Some of us manage smaller amounts, some of us manage bigger amounts, but all of us have to deal with this issue of finances. You know, when it comes to finances, things are out of control in our country. They really, really are. I'm not talking about the government. I'm talking about your personal finances. I mean, the government, they're a mess too, but I'm talking about your personal finances. It's amazing that, that money issues are still today the number one issue for fighting and divorce inside married, married, married couples. Number one issue. Number one cause of divorce is financial struggle. Seven out of 10 Americans are still paycheck to paycheck. All that simply means is that if you miss one paycheck, you have to put a credit card out there, borrow money from a parent or something like that. It's just paycheck to paycheck. Dave Ramsey said that 64% of Americans, that's a huge amount of us, cannot handle a $1,000 emergency without going to a credit card or borrowing money. Isn't that amazing? The average credit card debt now, it depends on really who you ask, but it's between five dollars to $8,000 per credit per household for those households who use credit cards. The average American pays in interest on their credit card $2,600. Do we need to get a grip on our money or what? Yes or no? It's out of control. Americans on average spend, check this out, $1.27 for every dollar that comes into their household. And that's why we're drowning in debt. The average student loan is almost $30,000. The average car loan is almost $17,000 in, 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 in American families. It's out of control. Now, it doesn't have to be that way. It really doesn't. Because when you, if you have a Bible and if you read the Bible, and I'm talking specifically about the New Testament, there are over 2,000 verses that deal with money and possessions and how to handle your money. All we need to do is look into it, find out what it says, and then follow it. But it's amazing how few of us are actually doing that. And so what I want to do today is look into God's Word, and I want to share with you six practical principles that I try to put into practice in my life, our, our marriage, our family does, and it truly can, not just myself, but millions of others have put these into practice, and it has led to them, led them to financial freedom. Now, before I get started, 
into the six things. If you're a high school student here, middle school student here, college student, and you're tempted, you're tempted to say, ah, this is something for my parents. I'm going to tune out. I'm going to doodle. I'm going to get on, you know, Facebook or whatever. Don't do that because I cannot tell you high school students and, and college students, and I cannot tell you how many young people have come up to, how many older people have come up to me and said to me, man, I wish I would have known this stuff when I was 18. I wish that I would have heard about this stuff when I was 22. Had I known about this stuff when I was 18, 22, 23 years old, I might be in a completely different place than I am right now at the age of 45. And all the older folks said, amen, right? So if you're a 20-year-old, 18-year-old, 15-year-old, pay attention to this stuff because it could change your life. And, And when you're 45, here's what I envision because you take all this beautiful stuff I'm about to give you. When you're 45, you come back to the church and you're able to write big fat checks to the church (laughs) because you put all this wonderful stuff into practice at the age of 18 years old. And so uh, pay attention, this this is actually for you as well. Let's jump in. How do we get a grip on our finances such that we're not living with this constant stress, this constant tension, this constant feeling of being behind, not making enough money, not having enough money? How do we get a grip on our finances? Number one, we have to understand understand it. We have to understand money. It's, it's amazing out there today that so many people that believe that money is evil. One, one old-time preacher, John Wesley, he said, as soon as they get money, I get rid of it lest it get into my heart. When I read that, I thought, no, that's not true. What he, what he taught his congregation was that, that money in and of itself is a bad thing, that money is evil. So it's, what, it's what those evil rich people have, you know? Is it that money would just ruin you because it's so demonic and it's sinister and it's dark and money is evil. But money, the Bible doesn't say that money is evil, does it? What does it say, First Timothy chapter 6? It says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money in itself is not evil. It's the love of money. It's when you fall in love with some money. It's when, love, it's when money captures your heart. You know, as Snoop Dogg used to sing, when your mind is on your money and your money is on your mind. <laughs> right? Remember Snoop? <laughs> I think he's still around. It's, it's when you fall in love with money. It's when it captures your heart. That's when you get into all kinds of, of, of traps and, and bad places and envy and jealousy and covetousness and all these different things come up and then you're willing to break the rules to get money and you're willing to steal to get money and you're willing to do things to compromise your integrity to get money because you love it. And why do you love it? You love it because you've fallen into the trap that our society has told you that, lo- that money will give you everything your heart desire. And it won't. Jesus said one time, it's impossible to love God and love money at the same time. You're going to either hate the one and love the other or hate this one and love the other. Money more than anything else is a rival for the number one place in our hearts. It's the love of money that gets us into trouble. It becomes idolatry in our life. The Bible doesn't say money is evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. Money, it helped you understand here a little bit, money is neutral. Money's not good. Money's not bad. It's neutral. It's sort of like this brick here. Dave Ramsey uses this illustration. You can do a lot of good with this brick. You can build a hospital. You could build an orphanage. You could also do a lot of harm with this brick, couldn't you? Some of you heard the story about when I was a knuckleheaded 17-year-old, I took a brick to look just like this, 
and threw it through a window of a store to inflict harm. Stupid. This brick is not evil. It's not good. It just depends on whose hands it's in, right? Money is the same way. It's not evil. It's not good. It just depends on whose hands it's in. You know, money, it's a magnifier. It just simply magnifies who you already are. Isn't that true? Like if you're a jerk and then you get some money, guess what happens? You're a rich jerk. Anybody know any rich jerks? (laughs) It's real simple. It just magnifies who you already are. But on the other hand, if you're a really good person and all of a sudden your business does well or something happens, you get an inheritance or you're, you know, whatever, and you get into some money, guess what? You become a really nice rich person. And I know plenty of those people. I love being around them. (laughs) They help you and they bless people and they're just constantly trying to help others and and they're, they're, I want to be, be one day, I want to be one of those rich, nice people. Does that make sense? Money is a magnifier. It just reveals who you are. Money is not evil. It's neutral. You know, some people believe that money will actually satisfy your soul. But it's, it, it's, it's, it's an impossibility. Listen to what uh, scripture says in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth, say it with me, is never satisfied with their income. It's like seawater. The more you drink of it, the thirstier you get, and the more you drink, and the more you want to drink. If you get a million, you want a million and a half. You get a million and a half, you want two. Then you want two and a half. Then you want three. It's never enough. Money cannot satisfy the human soul. Only Jesus Christ can satisfy the human soul. He referred to himself one time as the living water. He referred to himself as the bread of life, right? He said one time, if you come to me and you drink of me and you eat of me, you'll never be thirsty again. You'll never be hungry again. What was he talking about? He's talking about the soul thirst, the hunger of the soul. Only God can satisfy you. Money can't do it. Money doesn't satisfy. Money is simply a tool, guys. Money is a tool that goes into the hand, that goes out of the hand to bless other people and get stuff done in this world. That's what money is. It's a tool. It's neutral. It's not evil. And it never satisfies. So we got to understand it. Number two, we want to get a grip on our money. We got to track this stuff, man. It's coming in. It's going out. It's amazing how many people do not know how much money's coming into their household. If I asked you right now, how much money do you make? Like, actually, what is your check? A lot of people say, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure. How, okay, how much money's going out? How much do you spend? Well, I don't really know, you know. How in the world are you and I going to get out of a financial pickle that we're in if we don't know where we are? The principle of keeping track of it is the principle of awareness. It helps you know where you are. When Jackie and I went out to Colorado to get this cool award, we, we also visited a place called the Garden of the, Do- the Gods, the Garden of the Gods out there in Colorado Springs. Really cool place, lots of rocks, you know, my wife loved it, do some hiking, and there's a little place there you can go and do, and, and basically, we got turned around a couple of times. You're like, where are we, you know? You ever, ever happen to you in a mall or an amusement park or something like that? You don't know where you are. And then all of a sudden, you find a little map that says, you are here, right? And that happened to us several times there. And, and that's, why, that's how we were able to get back to the, to the car, because of these little maps that says, you are here. You know what keeping track of your money does? It tells you, this is reality. This is where you are. This is how much money's coming in. This is how much money's going out. This is how much you're overspending. This is what you're spending the money on. That's what happens when you keep track of it. That's the first step. That's one of the first steps that you and I need in order to get out of the pickle that we're in financially. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 27, just in case you think I was making it up. 
Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever. Just a little context here. The way people made money in Bible times often was through their herds, their sheep, their their, their goats, their cattle, things like that. The Bible says, know the condition of your flocks. Today we would say, know the condition of your stocks or something like that, right? That's a little little pastoral humor, right? Isn't that funny? Okay, not so much. Be sure you know the condition of, of, where you're, of what's going on with your money because it doesn't last forever. forever. Here, here's the idea. If you lose track of it, if you take your eye off the ball, your money will leave you quickly. <laughs> that's, the, that's the point. You've got to keep track of it. This is the principle of awareness. I See, when I become aware, when you become aware of what's going on with your money, how much is coming in, how much is going out, how much debt you have, how your stocks are doing, how your investments are doing, you, now you know what adjustments need to be made in order to get out of the pickle that you're in. Yes or no? Now, here's what's interesting. I don't keep track of any of the money that comes into our house. Not a dime. I don't. Jackie does. Isn't that fun? <laughs> So she's got her, you know, her spreadsheet, her Excel spreadsheet, and she tracks it all that comes in, and she tracks it all, all of it that goes out. And what she does is she gives me a little bit of money each month to say, here's your, what does Dave Ramsey call this? Your blow money. And so this is, this, is, this is just fun money that I get, and I can buy coffee with it or whatever I want to buy. And that's, see, I'm not saying that you have to track it. I'm saying someone has to track it, Okay. <laughs> Thank God for my wife. I love you. So number two, keep track of it. Now, I'm about to show you number three, and this is what I'm getting most excited about. This, number three, is where the magic happens. Number three is the secret sauce, okay? You know how Chick-fil-A doesn't share how they make their chicken taste so good? They won't share it, right? Because it's secret. I'm about to share with you the secret sauce of how to get out of a financial jam. Are you ready for this? No secrets. This is just completely open. I'm going to share it all with you right now. Are you so excited? Yes? Okay, okay. Ready? Here, number three. I know, I know you're sitting on the edge of your seat. You can't wait to write. Watch this. Number three, be content with what you have. Some of you are like, that ain't no secret sauce. That's garbage. I hate that. What are you talking about? <laughs> Contentment. No, honestly, this is where the magic happens. We live in a society today that is constantly pressuring us to feel like we don't have enough. We, and then our neighbors get a new car and a new house, and we feel like we need to go get one. And we turn the TV on, and the advertisers tell us we need to go buy more stuff. And I'm all for capitalism, but the, one of the downsides to capitalism is that they, they, the way that they get you to buy stuff is making you feel like what you have is not enough. Yes or no? Right? And so if you're not prepared to say, I have enough, you're going to go buy the new deal. And then when you spend $1.27 for every dollar that you make, you're going to get into debt. And that causes all kinds of stress. How do you get out of this situation? You and I have to learn how to be content with what we have. You say, are you making this up? No, I promise it's from the Bible. It's the Bible. We're always going to look at the Bible. Watch this, Hebrews 13. Keep your lives free from the love of money. We just talked about that, right? Money's not number one, cannot satisfy us. Keep your lives free from the love of money, covetousness, all that stuff. Watch this. And be, say it with me. Come on. Content. A little bit more passion. Content. Be content with what you have. Because God has said, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Translation, all you really need is me. And then you need some food and some clothing and some shelter. After those are covered, you just, you just have me. 
Be content with that. The word content means enough. The, Hebrew, the, uh, the Greek word is enough. So in your notes, this is the way I wrote it. The secret, the key to getting a grip on your money is deciding that you have enough. Years ago, when our kids were small and they used to watch cartoons, the commercials would just come on right in between cartoons, right? And it would be this toy and that toy. And, and I would literally press pause. No, ask my wife, ask my kids. We'd press pause. And, and what we would say to each other is, is it, we would say, kids, what we got to say right now is, after the commercial's over, right, we watched it. Here's what we're going to say together. I don't need that. Okay, okay, let's say it together, kids. Ready? All together, you know, no, I, one, one of my kids was real excited about it. The other one was rolling his eyes, and the other one I think wasn't paying attention. But, but we, would, we would say it, you know, like, I don't need that, right? Because the commercial was telling them that they needed to get this new toy. And, and, and you know, and then if your kids are like my kids, they, what do they say after the commercial? They say, Daddy, Mommy, I want that. So I had to change that thinking. And we had to say, I don't need that. You have to start very, very young with this stuff, okay? The secret to getting out of a financial jam, a financial situation where you're paycheck to paycheck and you're drowning in debt is to learn to be content with what you have. Here's the magic, ready? If you decide to be content with less, guess what happens to your spending? It goes where? It goes way down. But your income stays the same. A lot of people think in order to get out of a financial jam, they need to make more money. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. Your money doesn't have to go up. Your spending has to go down. And when your money stays the same or your income stays the same and your spending goes down, what does that create? Come on, talk to me. It creates space. What's another word for space? It starts with an M. It's a magical word. Yes, it is. Say it with me. It's margin. It's a, it's a beautiful word. It's a heavenly word. It's a godly word, right? It's sort of like, in, you remember in Lion King when, when that one scene that they're saying, Mufasa, you know, when they say Mufasa, ooh, say Mufasa, ooh. That's kind of what the word margin does for me. Like, when you say margin, I get, I get goosebumps. Let's go. Let's try it. Ready? Mar- margin. Ooh, that's nice. Here's why. Because the, the magic is in the margin. The this, this secret sauce is in the margin. Let me show you what it looks like on a graph. What you would do is reduce your spending down to 70%. You begin to live off of 70%. And if you're really crazy, you could bring it down to 60%. And what that does is it creates this space, this extra, this thing called margin. And when you create that margin, three, four, five hundred dollars a month, whatever it is, that's when you're able to do some incredible things for yourself to get out of a financial pickle and get a grip on your finances. If you don't do number three, number four, five, and six are going to be very difficult. But if you do number three, watch what happens. You're going to be able to do number four, and that is to pay off your debts. Pay off your debts. The Bible says that the borrower, Proverbs 22, 7, the borrower is the, say it with me, the slave. That's not a happy word. That's not a popular word. That's a terrible word. I don't have a, a slave doesn't have any freedom. A slave can't come and go as they please. Nobody wants to be a slave. The Bible says when you borrow money from Visa, from MasterCard, from Capital One, from whoever, Fannie Mae, Sally Mae, whoever, Freddie Mac, I don't know what their names are. When you borrow money from them, you become their slave. What does it mean to be a slave to someone who you borrowed money from? Here's what it means. We were talking to our staff about this this week. This is our best definition. Watch this. 
Here's what it means to be a slave. Your money has no potential impact for the future because it is obligated to the past. That vacation you went on, that you swiped, all those meals out, all those steak dinners, all that stuff, that you swipe, 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 that boat that you bought, hey, Christmas from three years ago. <laughs> you don't even remember what you got, but you're still paying for it, <laughs> right? Your money has no potential for the future because it's obligated to MasterCard and Capital One and American Express and all these different people that you borrowed money from in the past, that flat screen TV, right? So what does that look like? Practically speaking, you have a friend that wants to adopt this child from Haiti or somewhere like that, and they, they're short 600 bucks, and you hear about it, and they're doing this GoFundMe thing or something like that, and you would love to get this family help and give this family help so they get this kid adopted, but you can't because you have a $600 car payment or a $500 payment to Visa. You would love to impact them, but you can't. The church comes along and says, hey, we want to do a multi-site in Franklin. Would you consider, you know, maybe $300 or a gift per month? You would love to help us go multi-site, but you can't because your money, your money is tied and it's obligated to the past. That's what it looks like to be a slave. You got a friend who's in college and, and they, they don't know how to pay for their second semester. Their first semester went great, but now the college bill came in and they're short a thousand bucks. You'd love to give them that thousand so that they can do their second semester at college, which they love, but you can't. You cannot write a thousand dollar check to this, this 18-year-old kid because your money is obligated to the past. You getting me? Yes or no? That's what it looks like to be a slave to the borrower, to the lender, excuse me. And that's not God's will for your life. God wants money, resources to flow into your hand so that they can flow out of your hand and bless people. And so where do you get the money to pay off your debt? Well, it goes back to number three. Live on less money. Be content with what you have. That frees up this extra money, three, four, five hundred dollars, whatever it might be. You take that money and you start attacking your debts. The smallest one to the greatest one, as Dave Ramsey says, until they're all gone. You say, man, I can't pay off my debts. I can't, I don't, I can't do that right now. Now's not the time. I've gotten very busy and raising a family. I, I, I would go to you and I would say to you uh, to reconsider that. Sherry Lowe, she actually, this lady actually uh, attends our church She's an author. She's actually coming out with her second book here soon. I think it's called Your Marriage and Your Money. This is actually in our bookstore. It's called Slaying the Debt Dragon. They, they paid off $127,000 of debt in just a few short years. She says this in her book. She says, there is no good time to begin paying off debt. There's only now. Wow, powerful. You know what they did in order to, in order to create some margin? They reconfigured their taxes so that they wouldn't get a refund, but they also didn't have to pay, and that created about $100 of, of margin, and they, started, they took that 100 and started knocking it down on their, on their smallest debt. In just a few short years, they paid off all $127,000. In this book, they tell the whole story, give practical advice and inspiration how you can do the same. Margin, folks, helps you to pay off debt. Now, we can't stop there, right? Then we go to step number two, or, or we're, I don't know what step we're on right now, but I'll tell you what, it's number five. I think it's number five. We're going to save and invest. After we pay off our debt, we're going to save 
and invest. Okay? Well, let me go back to the graphic. I forgot the graphic. I want to show you what the graphic looks like to pay off debt. So here you're living, you're living off 70%. What do you do at the margin? You take 20% of it, you pay off your debt. After you pay off your debt, now you can do it both at the same time, depending on how you want to do it. If you're more aggressive with debt or you want to invest at the same time, you can do that. This is not a formula. This is just the things that have to happen. The next thing you would do is to save and invest. I love what the Bible says about this in Proverbs chapter 21. It says this, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Fools are paycheck to paycheck. You say, Danny, you just called me a fool. No, I didn't. God did. Okay, so don't, I'm not hurting your feelings here. This is the Bible, okay? okay? But it says the wise have wealth and luxury. A lot of people think that it's the rich people who have a lot of money. And that, isn't that a big conception? It's those rich people that get rich. That's not what the Bible teaches. It says that the wise get rich. Well, how did they get rich? They get a big job with a big salary and a big... No. It says that they, di- they don't spend everything they get. They take the margin, the extra, and they purchase these things called assets. They invest in things that make money, stocks and bonds and real estate, things that put money in your pocket instead of taking money out of your pocket. Those are called liabilities. Years ago, I read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He helped me understand the difference between a liability, something that takes money out of your pocket, and an asset, something that puts money in your pocket. So what do I do with the margin? After I pay off my debt, I put my margin into assets, things that put money into our pockets. Is this making sense? And that's how people get wealthy and have extra. I'm not saying you can't get wealthy by, get, by increasing your salary. Certainly that's the way to go, but that's not how the Bible explains it. It says the wise have wealth and luxury because they take their margin and they put it in investments, things that will make them money. So we're going we're gonna to invest, we're going to save, and then the last one, we're going to be generous. Number six, we're going to be generous. We're going to open up our hands. Not many people, Christ, not many Christ followers believe in being generous. Here's what the stats show us. 21% or 2.1%, the average Christian gives away 2.1% of their income. There's not a lot of people that, that believe in this principle that generosity is, is, is actually the right way to go. But the Bible teaches us very clearly, we'll look at a couple of verses, Proverbs eleven twenty five. a generous person will prosper, plain and simple. The one who refreshes others will be refreshed. God promises, if you will bless other people, I will bless you. Now, there are many people who live this out, and they can stand up here and testify probably better than I can. And they say, you know, I've given 10% of my money away for many, many years, and I have, I have been so blessed. I follow Jesus' example and his teaching in Luke chapter 6 where he said, give and it will be given to you. For with the measure that you use towards other, that, the others, that's the, way it's, that's the measure that's going to be used towards you. Dave Ramsey explains it this way. I think it's the best illustration I can give you. He says, when, when you're not generous, your hands are closed. It's all mine. I'm going to keep it for myself. But when you're generous... You open up your hands and you bless others. And now when you, because your hands are open, God can put things into your hands. But when your hands are closed, Ramsey says, not only do you not bless other people, but God cannot bless you because you cannot receive because your hands are closed. 
So my wife and I, to the best of our ability, are trying to follow this example. We just try to open up our hands. We're trying to raise a family of three kids as well. That gets very expensive, as many of you know, right? But we're also trying to say, who can we bless outside of our family? I'm telling you, we've been doing that for years now, and God continually puts money and resources back into our hands. It's unbelievable how that works. Is anybody else doing that these days? Raise your hand if you're just, if you're just absolutely, you can testify to that. I can't explain it on a piece of paper, like here's the math, let me show you how it works. I can't do that, because it's, it's actually a principle of faith. Like if you want to get a grip on your money, you have to start being generous. I can't explain that to you in the math and make it work. All I can tell you is that it works. And so what does that look like on a graph? It would look like this. You keep doing your 20% saving and investing, and then you'd simply put in 10% for giving. And then you just say, God, I'm going to trust you. Jesus, this is what you said. It says it in Proverbs. I'm going to open up my hands and be a blessing to other people. Listen, that's the whole ball game anyway. The whole ball game is to, as Dave Ramsey has said in the past, is to live like no one else so that one day I can live like no one else. Right? What does he mean by that? That so much, so many resources come into your hands that you can then turn around and just continue to bless people for the rest of your life. God's will, God's intent with the resources that he gives you is not just to take care of your family, it's to take care of the people in and around you. That's his intent for you. And so to be generous, that's part of God's will for your life. What have I said today? Man, I've said a bunch. It's like drinking from a fire hose. I've talked to you, I've talked to you about getting understanding about money. I've talked to you about tracking your money. I, I gave you the secret sauce of being content, like that was good enough in and of itself. Then I told you about getting out of debt. Then I told you about investing and saving. And then I told you about being generous. Where do you start with all this information? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Everybody's at a different spot. Maybe you just start by tracking it, getting out an Excel spreadsheet or go to mint.com or go to Dave Ramsey's website and get a budget, you know, and, and start working the numbers and following through. I don't know where you start. Maybe you're not being very generous. Maybe that's where you start. You start giving 10% or, or whatever. Now it's up to you. Dave Ramsey says, he says basically that, that money issues are 20% knowledge, 80% behavior. Wow. You just got some knowledge dropped on you. Okay, it's not the presented in the best way possible. I'm sure others can do it better. You just got some information given to you from the Bible. Now it's 80% behavior. Now you actually have to go change. I remember years ago when somebody confronted us about our money. When I was a youth pastor, we had this brand new car. We had this brand new house. We had all this, all this debt. And another youth, youth pastor said to me, dude, you are way out of line with your finances. I'm like, dude, what are you smoking? Like, we're like living large. You see my car? And then he started to show me different ideas from the Bible, and, and then it came down to, okay, we need to sell some stuff, and we started to change our behavior. I guarantee you, Jackie and I are where we are today in our family financially because we changed our behaviors, our financial behaviors, not just what we knew about money, but how we handled it in our life. Now that's what you have to do. I hope that you'll do it so that you can be a blessing to the people around you. Let me wrap up by saying this, very simple. When you give, when you're generous, you are acting just like God. You're acting just like your heavenly father. He is the most generous being in the universe. Listen, listen to what the Bible says as we wrap up. For God so loved the world that he, say it with me, he gave. He didn't just give all the, all the treasures from heaven, the gold and the silver and the 
He gave something way more precious than that. He gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him, trusts in him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. God gave. When you give, you're acting like God. God gave his very best for you. Do you know anybody who's perishing today? Struggling today? Stressed out today? Angry? Wrapped up in an addiction? Hating life? Do you know anybody like that? Do you know that you can experience hell on earth? A lot of people think that this is about afterlife. Oh, you need Jesus in your life. Put your faith in Jesus so that when you die, you don't go down. Rather, you go up. And I'm not going to say that that's not accurate. That's certainly accurate. But I think what Jesus was talking about right here is not about the afterlife. It's about current life. Jesus said, my father has sent me into this world And if you put your confidence in me, you won't just simply perish in your current life. No, 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 no. You will have an eternal quality of life that starts right now and carries on into the afterlife. You say, what's that look like? A life filled with peace and meaning and joy and purpose and satisfaction and happiness. A life void of fear and worry and anxiety and hate and anger and, 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 and all the stuff that we see going on. People are perishing everywhere in this world. We think Jesus is talking about hell. It's hell on earth. Have you watched the news? Hatred, racism, jealousy, bigotry. It's everywhere. That's not the eternal life that Jesus offers. He talks about a life where where the dominating emotion of, of your life becomes love, agape love for human beings. Loving your neighbor as you love yourself. That's the kind of life he offers. Some of you need to step into that right now. It's not about just going to heaven when you die or maybe going to hell when you die. It's about life right now. Would you trust Christ today? Would you put your faith, would you believe in Christ today and receive eternal life? I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith. You can take these words and make them your own. And you will step into that life right now, an eternal kind of life. If you feel led to pray, just say these words. Talk to God right now. Jesus, today I come. I trust you. I put my confidence in you. I trust first and foremost that you you dealt with my sin and shame and guilt on the cross. You died in my place, paid the penalty, rose again so that I can become one of your kids. Washed cleansed, forgiven. So right now I ask you to be my savior. I trust you for the forgiveness of my sins. I put my life in your hands right now. I trust you with my money, my sexuality, my mouth, my words, my attitude. I trust you 
with all of me. I believe you know best about every aspect of my life. And my intention is to follow your teachings in every way. And when I mess it up, pick me up, wash me off, and get me back on track. I put my life in your hands today. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Don't you love the offer of the kingdom of God? Don't you just love it? I love it. It's a different way to live. Listen, it's changing the way I go to basketball games, okay? That's not, that's not, that, if that's not the power of God, I'm getting ready to go to a basketball game right now. I'm leaving here. It's going to change the way I watch my son's game. That's the power of God, right? You become aware that God is with you. You, you become aware of most imp- what's most important. Listen, the most important thing today is not that my son's team wins. Hey, the most important thing today is not that the referees get the right calls, is it? That are in my favor, right? That's not the most important thing. Most important thing about is what, what is God doing? He's changing my heart. He's changing our hearts. He's transforming hearts. Hey, if you prayed to receive Christ today, there's one New Testament in the back for you. You can pick these up on the way out. This is where the teachings of Jesus are found. You follow them. You obey them. As I mentioned in the prayer, when you mess it up, you get back up and you keep on moving forward. If you're watching online today and you prayed to receive Christ, click that button. We'd love to send one of these to you in the mail. One more time, church. Can we give God glory? Amen. God wants to put resources into your hands so that you can be a blessing to other people. I pray and hope that you will go out and put these principles into practice. Let's close in prayer. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for giving us the instructions that we need from your word regarding money. Give us the courage, give us the discipline, give us the discipline to put these principles into practice so that you can use us in a mighty way to advance your kingdom. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. God bless you. See you next week. Bring a friend.